This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The share it with a friend deal. Even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. And welcome back to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Max Cohen and Alec Coben. This is our post-match show of Fulham's 1-0 victory against the champions. Yes, the champions, which are Liverpool. And I'm sure my co-hosts have a lot to talk about in regards to this match. We're going to break it down, but let's just get, go to opening thoughts. Alec, I'll go to you. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing, my friend? Give me your opening thoughts. I'm doing very well, Russ. Thank you. Very good to be back on the show. Uh, my my opening thoughts. I just have I have so many of them right now. I can't I can't tell whether it was us playing well or Liverpool playing badly. But what I can say was that in the first half we were utterly dominant. Liverpool could not clear the ball out of their own box. It seemed like, and they were terrible at man marking. And it seemed like we couldn't finish. Uh, in the second half, we just locked up shop, and we were incredibly solid at the back. Liverpool tried time after time to go down wide and break us down with pace on on the on the on the right and left hand side of the field. Yep. But we were just too strong in the middle, and they just didn't have really that sort of killer instinct to finish any of the few chances that I guess they had. Uh, so I think great performance defensively. I think we still have some work to do in attack because. Quite frankly, it was 1-0, but I think it should have been maybe 2 or 3-0. And I'm not going to disagree with you on that. We certainly will talk about that when we break down both halves, but really the first half, because uh, that's exactly what Emilio said. We should have been up by more, and and uh, he didn't want to be too negative after uh, the victory, but we now have a post-match, so we can really break that down. Okay, 
Let's go to my friend Max. And Max, are you back to be an optimist, Max? <laughs> yeah, why, why, why not? You know, this was, this was, I think, the first match that really we came back into the Premier League. This is what the Premier League is all about for a team like Fulham, is beating the big clubs. And I know we beat Leicester and Everton this season, but Everton. There's, no, there's no better place to go than Anfield. Yep. There's no bigger team to beat than the champions, Liverpool. I honestly, I think the win at Leicester might have been more impressive in terms of what they were second at the time. And this was a weakened Liverpool team in terrible form. But I still, I think the symbolic significance of this is huge. I think yes. for the first time after the final whistle, I really envisioned a future where we stay in the league. <laughs> um, I've been kind of convincing myself in the past couple of weeks when we pulled out results that it's becoming more likely. But this completely changes the situation because a win against Liverpool was something very few people predicted. I think Russ might have predicted it, and we la- me and Mike laughed at him I did. the other week. Yeah. Russ is right. Thank you, Russ. Very few other people thought saw it happening. And this just eases the pressure. It's the reverse of what I've said so many times in the show. You know, when we drew West Brom, drew Brighton, yep. I said, well, this just increases the pressure on the games, which are harder to win. But we've, we've gone to Anfield. We got the win. And I think it means that our chances of staying up, I think I feel so good about it now because okay. Newcastle drawing West Brom. They drew West Brom nil-nil. I don't see any more, not anymore. I don't see many more wins for Newcastle. If they can't beat West Brom, who are they going to win against? You know, and that, that's perhaps looking at the wrong situation. We should focus on ourselves. But right. I'm so optimistic in this moment because if we play like that and get the luck that we did, because it was lucky, we played excellent, we were lucky, we might have turned the corner. And why not, you know? go and beat a team like Villa or Leeds or Southampton or teams that we might not have had wins put down for. Why not? You know, why not go for it? Okay. Alec, I'm going to go back to you because again, you have a little bit different thought on the match, but I want to focus on what Max said. Does this change your perception? Because it sounds like Max now feels for the first time that we can actually stay in this division. Does a win against Liverpool change the dial enough for you? Or are you still just waiting to see how things play out match per match, or do you have a different feeling coming out of this? I don't want to jinx it, and I'm touching wood right now, but I think we've got this. <laughs> uh, I I thought we actually had it even after the Everton game. I think we even could have gotten a loss out of this game and still and still had a very good chance of staying up. Yeah, you know, you forget that we have uh, Newcastle on the last game of the season, so that's yep. going to be quite quite a game, and I. Just having seen Newcastle's run of form, I just can't see that. I can't see them taking any points off us, really. I, I, I still am shocked to see that we're still in the relegation zone. I know we've had know. we've had an unlucky run, but I, we just do not look like a relegation side. I mean, not to go all. to go to the Champions home turf and to make them look not just average, make them look like a relegation side, and we didn't even play that well. So I just think with that sort of form and that sort of grind that we've really demonstrated in these last few weeks I don't think really anything can stop us from staying up and I think Brighton Burnley and Newcastle are all quaking in their boots oh absolutely absolutely Alec and uh, I just want to share this graphic that I shared last night with Emilio who would have ever thought we would go to Goodison Park and beat Everton and then we go to Anfield and beat Liverpool full moan mercy side who would have ever thought that but you know what it's a good positive sign but I want to go back to you, Alec, because I know that you have some serious thoughts about the match in general. But I want to go to you because I actually think this is an impressive victory. But I want to start here because you were asking the question, 
was Liverpool poor or were Fulham that good? I'm going to go with Fulham were that good. And I think part of it has to do with Parker's tactics. And in fact, I would give everyone uh, some advice and read the article. And if you don't subscribe, I would subscribe just to read the article from Peter Rutzler in The Athletic, who breaks down this match in a, in a great way. Peter is fantastic. We have some great people covering Fulham. Peter is great. Obviously, we have the guys at Hammy and Fulham Focus, Fulmish. They all do a great job. But I want to focus on this article from Peter because he really talks about the tactics going, how Fulham were looking in this match, Alec, and basically putting four attacking players out there and really going at Liverpool. Again, this was Parker being brave. So for me, that is – I wouldn't call it a shift, but I would i would say we now can see that not only does he want his players to be brave, obviously he can as well. He was encouraging it. He had a game plan, game plan specific to take down Liverpool. And that to me, again, for me, that is also what makes this more to do with Fulham than it does with Liverpool because they executed the plan, Alec. Your thoughts? I, de- I definitely think that Park had a great plan in place. And it's quite interesting because he had a different plan than I've seen in, in other weeks that we've had. So, I mean, That's starting, right. with, starting with the attack, I mean, the two, thing that, two things that I noticed was, one, we had four attacking players. And That's that right. just wreaked havoc for Liverpool. They could, just, they could not handle having, having all of those players just surrounding the box. And you could see that they would feel the pressure. They were inefficient with their clearances. They were clearly feeling the heat. Just the very presence of those players in the box made them nervous and made them make mistakes. I think second, and, and, and then I think secondly, rather than trying to walk the ball into the net, we would get the crosses in early. That's we right. Would, you, we saw just early crosses and Liverpool were just having problem after problem trying to clear the ball away. Uh, and quite and quite frankly, we managed to capitalize on one of those on one of those nervy on one of the, those nervy clearances in, in the first half, obviously, That's with, right. with, with Lamina's goal. That's right. And, I mean, then in, and then in defense, I mean, also, we have to take into account the fact that also Virgil van, Ta- Virgil van Dijk has been out. He, they don't have that sort of aerial presence anymore. That's right. And then, That's in, defense, and then in defense, I'd like to say two, two other points. I mean, we were, we were incredibly compact. We didn't get sucked wide. We've kind of, we, we had kind of figured out Liverpool's game plan going into it. They like to play wide, like to play on the break. We just stayed. We stayed very central. We piled people into the into the center of the box. We let them have the wide spaces, and then they crossed the ball. And they had a probably about a, you know Liverpool attacks would probably have a twenty percent chance of winning it, winning it. That's right. Just simply due to sheer numbers in the box. And then the final thing I'd like to point out is that we weren't contrary to our other games. We we weren't pressing so high this time. So we just seemed with filled with a lot more energy just in defense. We didn't seem so fatigued. Concentration levels seem to seem to be soaring, and Liverpool just couldn't compete with that. We were concentrated and compact, and they just could not break us down. No, I totally I totally agree. And Max, I want to get your view on this because when we look at this, and you know, like I said, we're, we're going to go through both halves, and we're really going to break it down. But I like Peter's article a great deal, and it sounds like you read it as well. And uh, he really breaks down how Fulham did this and how Parker really changed how things were going to go and how he was going to try to take advantage of Liverpool. He certainly did. And I thought uh, Alec did a very good job of uh, breaking down what we did. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think the first thing we need to recognize, which Alec touched on, is we had a better back line, in my opinion, than Liverpool. 
which is kind of remarkable to say, but their defense is awful. Like seriously, I'd say championship level. You know, Robertson was the only one who had any sort of quality, I think, and Allison is completely out of form. But they they started. It was a joke team, Russ. It was a, yeah. it was a joke lineup. And in, in that respect, I think the Everton win might be better and the Leicester win might be better, just how, how poor that starting 11 was. And yes, Do you think Klopp had, showed us no respect or do you think it had yeah. more to do with Liverpool? Do you think it was about us or about Liverpool? I'm talking about why he decided to no, go. I, I think I think if I'm Klopp, I make I would agree with what he did. He said, you know, we have a relegation team. We have a midweek Champions League game, which I think he's prioritizing now. He knows the league's gone. Top four is unlikely. I mean, Nico Williams, he, he was awful. I, that ball from Anderson to Lookman was on every single minute of that match. And that was, I think, was one of the best tactics Parker employed was let's get the ball up. In addition to the early cross, which that's Alex right. mentioned, it was the early switches of play, which they mm. just couldn't deal with. Oh, it was killing them. And, and that center back pair was, again, it was a joke. That, that is the fact that Liverpool Football Club played that in the Premier League. And I know it's the, the injuries have been terrible for them. Every yeah. time injuries, they've been hit worse than others. It's a joke. I mean, what, Phillips and Williams? You would ask, you know, the average football supporter, never heard of those players. Like, it, it's laughable. And then, but I think Klopp did shoot himself in the foot up top. Salah was dangerous, but you're starting Jota, you're starting Shakiri. It's not the Firmino Mane Salah partnership, which scares people. Um, but again, they've been out of form. We're playing Liverpool at the perfect time. I think we have to recognize that. Okay. Um, but again, the, the tactics were very good. But you still have to foot. execute. So that's they, You know, again, they could have been at a very low point, which I think we can all agree on. But you still need to take advantage of that, and they did. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think Lookman was was very bright. I think Cavalier did a lot of really nice running around. I think I was, I was impressed by him. He put in a good shift again. The wingbacks were bright. Tate getting up. A&O played well. And then but when you have, I think what we have, you can generally say a top six, top seven center back and keeper partnership in the entire Premier League. I think that's fair to say. Areola, Anderson, Adarabio. Liverpool would love to have those three. How many other Premier League teams? I think. Well, I read some players, articles today that Liverpool supporters want Liverpool to, to come after uh, Anderson. I've already read that today. Yeah, so. and we can, we can that criticize. We can criticize yeah. Tony Khan all we want. Let's look at what Liverpool did. They got Kabak and then Ben Davis. I mean, that, that's a joke of a business. And, and Lilo Fulham, we got Anderson, not Arabaya. It's yeah. an unbelievable business. And Areola, yeah. who should be playing in the Champions League, he's a Champions League level goalie. So I think we need also credit the recruitment because it showed on Sunday that we had quality players who can go up. And I think we we had a better back line than Liverpool did. Yeah. That's, that's why we won, in my opinion. Okay. So we've kind of already brushed on this, but Alec, I want to go back to you. And then Max brought up some great points. We're talking about the tactics, but an hour before the match, and you're looking at the starting 11, you're probably thinking in your head, okay, how is this going to look? What were your thoughts about, you know, again, we're going to talk about it. Ruben Loftus-Cheek was dropped. Anthony Robinson was dropped. What did you make of the starting 11? Were you surprised that we're going to start with Ruben Loftus-Cheek, that he was dropped? I was quite surprised that we didn't start with Ruben Loftus-Cheek because he offers that element of size that the other players just don't have. But I guess it just worked in the end. The other thing is that I don't think we've often started no one with Lamine either. 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 We haven't started with Lamine either. But another great call by another great call by Parker. I've really yes. rated Ang- I've really rated Anguissa in 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 these recent weeks, and That's I right. think that really just shows you the maturity of Parker as a manager. 
he knows not to he knows not to kill the golden goose with these players. He doesn't run them into the ground until they start playing badly. It's he a takes great point. them off. He takes them off and when you know when after probably some of their best performances, after a string of best performances, he is he'll 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 rest them. So I must say I was quite surprised by by that, but I can kind of see why he might have done that, maybe just to keep the squad a little bit more refreshed. He understood that maybe fatigue was starting to set in and maybe pressure and expectations were starting to set in after just a string of good performances. And he wanted to share the glory amongst the rest of the squad. Yeah. Quite honestly, I, I thought it I thought it was a very I thought I was I was very surprised, but I thought it was a good decision by Parker to start with the lineup that he started with, especially uh, in hindsight. Very interesting. Yeah, very interesting there. Over to you, Max. What, what was going through your mind? It's funny because I'm, I'm glad that we started talking a bit about Ngisa because Ngisa, it's funny, I was just on, on another podcast called the EPL Roundtable and just about four or five weeks ago, I said that he was Fulham's best player at the time. And uh, But then we talked about a little bit that he hasn't been the same player since the situation we believe that he's one of the players we don't know for sure that had COVID. So he hasn't been the same player. But to Alex's point, I don't even know if that's, again, him being out of form even a little bit as a factor here. I think he went with the players that he thought would give him the best chance to win against Liverpool. I think this was Liverpool-specific. Each player was picked specifically for Liverpool. Do you agree with me? 100%. I think it was the work rate that we have to credit Lamina and Reed for. Yeah. As Alec mentioned, we won the midfield battle. Over exactly, and that was so key to this. Yeah, I mean, Nabi Keita, Van Aldum, Milner, good quality players. None of them, I would say, are having a great season. But nevertheless, they got outworked. And Harrison Reed said it in the post-match interview. I know. And it was fun. It started a bit of a you know controversy because then Klopp mentioned it. it was He's actually been criticized for it, I know. But the interviewer asked Harrison Reed, do you think he won it? To which then he answered, yes. It was, he didn't bring it up unannounced. I think that was good by the Sky Sports interview to create um, that storyline there. But he, he, Harrison Reed was not being you know arrogant by going out. We wanted it more. He only said it in answer to a question. But it was right. You know, this match meant so much more to Fulham than it did to Liverpool. And it showed out there. And we know Reed can give that defensive work, right? right? And Lamina did as well. And I think he also had some really nice passes, of course, the superb goal. But the goal, I think, exemplified the entire performance. You know, we, yeah. Salah was very complacent. And actually, almost the same thing happened well, to him when Bobby Reed scored at the cottage. It's so funny uh, that you said that. It, it really is. Yeah, and I think Liverpool were complacent. I mean, I see Chris in the comments saying, if I keep bashing Liverpool, he's going to tell Klopp <laughs> to sign Anderson. I have great respect for Liverpool. And I'm torn because being Liverpool is a huge accomplishment, as we've discussed. Yep. The, the champions won the European Cup, you know, a couple seasons ago. Huge club. What, you're in eighth position now? I think we really beat a seventh position club. And that's how I have to look at it. It means so much in the symbolic sense that we've beat one of the big six. But Liverpool this season are not in the top six. They're an average Premier League team for for a number of reasons. Injuries, fatigue. You can't just keep up that same level of intensity. A lot of bad luck. But this to me is is like the win against Everton, you know, in terms of the team we were playing. Because we did not play a top, top class team on Sunday. But we were simply better. Not taking anything from Fulham, but this was not, you know, against one of the best teams in the league. Simply right, wasn't. right, Max. But let's just put this into perspective. I understand everything that you're saying, but as Emilio said to me off air before we went live, Fulham didn't nick this win 
they earned this win. They they beat them. They were the better team. It, it yes. wasn't a situation where, where they just got a goal and they nicked it. They didn't nick this. Mm, I don't know about that. I, I'm happy to say go here and say we played excellent because I do think we played excellent. But for the second 45 minutes, we parked the bus. There was absolutely no attacking intent from us after the ha- after halftime. Yeah, we we just absolutely sat back and absorbed. Well, we're going to talk about we, this. Yeah, we're, I think we're definitely going to talk about the, the approach in the second half. Liverpool probably deserved to score an equalizer for talking how many high quality chances they had. Mane hits the post. Anderson has that great block. You know, Ariola with the double save. Liverpool camped down on the opposition eighteen. So I don't necessarily think Liverpool are awful. Our defense is very good, but yeah. I think a draw was probably the fair result. But who cares? We're all about getting the wins. Who I cares disagree. about the performance? I'm the better team. But- <laughs> Okay, well, you, the second 45, right? Right. We were right, great but, defending, but we were hanging on for our dear life. When you saw the four minutes go up, I bet you were as nervous as I am. And I went to six. We were hanging on. You know, we got the win, but I wouldn't say we were by far the better side. I'd say it was an even match. We dominated the first 45. They dominated the second 45. They just couldn't score. It was like it was like Fulham. They just couldn't get the ball in the back of the net. <laughs> okay, very good. Very interesting stuff. All right. Over to you, Alec. Before we really break down this match, I always like to ask the question, what we take out of this, okay? I think we already talked a bit about it, and I think Max, I think I know what Max has taken out of it with some of the teams around us. What's your biggest takeaway from the match? I'm going to say that my biggest takeaway is that um, Fulham have shown time and time again that they can play with anyone, maybe the, the exception we'll find out next week, Man City. I think they can play with anyone, and I think they keep proving it over and over again. I think we need to adjust our, our game strategy per game, and I think we've discussed this, how Parker really has, in recent weeks, selected the team for the specific opposition. Exactly. And I think I don't think it's going to be a one-size-fits-all for the rest of the season. I think Man City is going to be a real struggle. Right. However, what, I, what, we, what, what we keep coming back to, though, is this, this lack of – clinical instinct in front of goal. I mean, the fact that Lamine, we had so many goal-scoring, you know, high-quality goal-scoring opportunities, and we still couldn't really put them away. I mean, Lamina scored an absolute screamer of a goal. Yep. But Maja should have had, should have had two, before, two, two well before that. We, we've been fortunate enough in recent weeks that by piling a few, guy, few more guys forward that we've created more goal-scoring opportunities, which just yep. increases the likelihood that one of those goes in. But we can't really keep on relying on that. We need to have some sort of more of a killer instinct in front of goal. Now, I was, I was, I was contradicting Max in a few weeks back, saying that you know the finishing will come. But now, that's my main concern. We've we've shored up the defense. We know when to press and when to when to rest. We now just need to know how how to put the damn ball in the back of the net. Yeah, uh, because it's just. It's still there. It's, it's just obviously still there. I, I don't think that would have been as nervy of a game had we just done that. Obviously, okay. and well, and on the defense, and then on, on the then on the defense on the defensive side, we're we're looking we're looking fantastic. So I I really just think if we just shore up that part. It's a sure it's a sure bet that we stay up. Okay, very good, Max. Biggest takeaway from the match is it, you know, similar to what Alec was talking about. If you're a Brighton supporter, if you're a fan of Newcastle, you must be a little bit nervous. Is that your biggest takeaway or do you have something else? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think the biggest takeaway is the confidence this gives the squad. You saw oh, I agree with that. the images after the match. Parker is hugging every single player. They're all mobbing Anderson. Everyone's hugging Areola. This was a team which needed a statement win. 
um, after the frustrations of Palace and Spurs. I think this means so much coming directly after the Spurs match, even more so when we really were the better side and, and yep. should have got something out of it. And we felt very aggrieved. They channeled all that frustration into a prime time win. I mean, this was not just a small storyline. I no. think everyone in England involved with football was talking about this, this story on Sunday and saying Fulham are a great side, Liverpool are collapsing at Anfield, but also the Fulham part of it. So I think going forward, the confidence has to be coursing through their veins. They have to know, as the fans have been saying, that we can compete against almost every single team in this league and almost and get wins against them now. I, th- I think that's what's, what's so important because if we had gotten here and given up a late equalizer, that's so demoralizing again after the week we've had. I think the fact is that we held on for those three points will be invaluable in the run-in. Okay, very good. Good stuff there. All right, guys, coming up next, we're going to break down both halves and we'll end with man of the match and maybe a little bonus Russ's rant at the very end. Okay, let's get into it, guys. Let's talk about the first half. Let's analyze the first half. Max, I'm going to start with you because I, I thought Alec already did a very good job of talking about the opportunities. And, you know, and we'll call them missed opportunities in, in the first half. So I, let's go there. What, let's talk about your analysis of the first half and let's focus on the opportunities from Lookman, from Naja, as we, you know, we're really taking advantage of Liverpool just in general with some of our passing, with, with Anderson's incredible passing, and also Bobby Decadova-Reed finding an open player. You know, and again, it was constant that they were really try- taking advantage of the weakness of Liverpool. Just overall, analyze the first half, and then, then maybe we could talk about the missed opportunities. I think it was even. It was, If anything, we, we edged it in the early stages. I think we were on the front foot in many ways, but Salah definitely showed his quality, and... Liverpool came close. They showed that they were a very good side with some really good players up top who just weren't in top form, but they could hurt us. But it was us definitely on the front foot. That that pass to Lookman was on. As I mentioned, Nico Williams looked in for a whole afternoon of pain going up against Lookman. The issue is he gets in that box, and I see in the comments the decision-making is an issue. Completely yeah. agree. He has so many good positions, but the final assist and the final shot is just so rarely there for him. But he does great to beat a man, get in those shots, but it's always dragged wide or blazed over. And it is frustrating. You know, he got the goal against Sheffield United, which was pivotal. But again, it's too inconsistent now. He needs to be better with it. But it was impressive. Tete had a good ball in there. Magic yeah. put a couple of chances wide, forced Allison into saves. It was positive, which we think back to the way we played in some other first halves this season, thinking of Palace and Sheffield United particularly, where yeah. we really thought it was a wasted first 45 we were so cautious it was very interesting and honestly refreshing to see us go 4-4-2 attacking that's right at Anfield the approach yeah which maybe t- Parker surprised Klopp by that because if I'm maybe. Liverpool in the coaching staff I'm watching Fulham's past performances they'll think great first 45 they won't really bother us too much but we pin the back um and yep. as Alex said we just seemed to have an extra man everywhere the front four it was an attacking lineup and it paid off and then, of course, capped off by the goal at the perfect time. Because I think yep. that is just the best time in the entire match. Oh, I totally time. agree. Totally agree, Max. Totally agree. So back over to you, Alec, because you've already touched on this a little bit. But let's talk a, a little bit more about it. Because for all the positive play, for the work rate, for taking advantage of Liverpool's weaknesses, 
we would get in these situations, like you've mentioned already from, say, Lookman and, and Maja. They need to start converting these opportunities. It, it looks great. It looks dangerous. But at some point, you need to effing score. I hate to go there. You, you do. So just, you know, analyze what you were watching. What was going through your mind when you're watching some of these opportunities? Did you feel at the time that, you know what, this is the time that Lookman's going to score? Or did you think, here we go again? I was really thinking, here we go again. And especially as we got to the end of the first half, I just thought we had squandered such a dominant period of play. And I tell you, I was feeling quite dejected when we when we got that free kick because I just thought, nah, you know, this the half's kind of gone. This is a free kick in the middle of nowhere. It was a poor yeah. ball in. And then, <laughs> then out of nowhere, you know, Lamina just spanks it in, in right in the corner. You couldn't have placed it better. That's right. It was. It's a real shame with the finish. It's a real shame with the finishing. And honestly, I just couldn't believe that we had that many chances and Cavalera was involved in hardly any of them as well. I mean, right. I, I appreciated the off the ball running. Probably, I mean, you look at the you look at the game and probably the off the ball running did have an impact in drawing the Liverpool defenders away from the ball. That's right. He has a, a role. Out. Space. He has a role, but when is he gonna? When is he actually gonna score a few? <laughs> Well, we saw, uh, you know, we saw how bad I, I it was in the second crit- half. We saw how bad it was. Okay. So. Uh, yeah. I, and I don't want to be too critical because I yeah. think it was a very, obviously it's a very positive, very positive performance. Yep. And uh, the work rate really was there. But the young, I guess it's just a young side and we just need to gain that extra yeah. level of maturity and composure in front of goal. It will come. Right. But right. It, I just hope that it comes soon and I just hope that it doesn't cost us in situations where we were have clearly got the upper hand and then we lose it later in the game due to some a little bit of bad luck. And remember in this game we could have we could well have had some bad luck. We had some bad luck against Tottenham. We've yep. had bad luck against Liverpool even in the past. Oh absolutely and they and you know whilst I don't think their their opportunities were clear goal scoring opportunities, they they were opportunities. Anything anything could have happened at least three or four times, especially with the Anderson clearance the volley, yep. the volley from Cater, which also an excellent save from Ariola. Yep, it could have cost us, but this time, this time we didn't need the strikers to pull to you know pull through with the goal. So I was just grateful for that. Okay, and what's interesting about this, and I know we're focusing on the missed opportunities, but I think the huge positive that come out of this, and I think something that you can build upon. And Max, you've already talked about it, but I really want to focus on the goal, okay? Because it just shows, and I know what Alec was just saying, you know, oh, we got got a free kick and, and not really thinking much is going to come out of it. But when you look at who scored it and what has happened to this guy just a few days before, this to me is a huge event, not just for Mario Lamina, but for Fulham, because he took a major negative against Tottenham, turned it on its other side and scored a great goal and outworked one of the best players in the Premier League, I think, and deserved that goal. He deserved that. He deserved that goal. So let's talk about Lamina. I can't give him enough credit because that must have been hard what he was dealing with for the past few days. And to score a goal, he flipped the script. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think he was also, let's not remember, it's not just the handball incident he blazed that clear-cut chance of a right at the end of the first half against Spurs. That's right, and he mentioned yeah. that in his interview. And That's it's, right. almost, it's almost the ultimate uh, redemption story for him. Yeah. It, it was just, it's was, a great story if you're right. Yeah, Alex said it. It, it was just a screamer. I mean, I went absolutely berserk saying that because ugh, 
it was just so well hit from a long way out. So many similarities again to the way Dekadova Reed scored against Liverpool. That's because weird. it's, it's from right. the right side of the box. It's arrowed into that left far post path. Allison. Oh, it was it was just a great moment. And yeah, at the end of the first half, and if we had a number of chances and couldn't finish them, to cap it off with a goal, knowing Liverpool couldn't respond, it'd go into the halftime interval one nil down. It was it was perfect, and I was just delighted for him personally, as all the memes had showed him, you know, Photoshop yep. with no arms. He had to be he had to watch that so many times, knowing he was the reason he didn't score. No no fault of his own. Oh man, was, was no that justice? Arms. Was that was that VAR karma? I'm guessing Varma? What do you? I don't know. <laughs> Barma, that's that's too funny. <laughs> but you know what? Like I said, it's a great story that he got the winner after going through all of that. And again, the situation with uh, with the goal not counting. I mean, really, it's not his fault. The um, the shot in the first half. Well, okay, then you know, absolutely. So it is a redemption story, regardless, because he probably went through a lot over the, those last couple of days, and he overcame that. He even talked about it in his interview about his missed opportunity against Tottenham Hotspur. You know, right, it was right there for him. It was totally right there for him, and th- this to me was redemption. So I think it's great, and I think it's something that you can build on. Okay, guys, as we now talk about the second half, I want to get both of your views. What were you thinking at halftime? Because always, I'm always curious what other people think. I'll start with you, Alec. We're up 1-0 at the half, it, the goal comes at the best possible time, as you already said. But what was going through your mind at halftime going in the second half? Can we keep this up? And the answer was, no, we cannot keep it up going forward, but we can sure as hell just park the bus 45 minutes. And this time we were a lot more successful than we were last time because we were in this situation before. I think a little bit of luck, but a little bit of better organization as well really just helped us come through. And as I, as I just mentioned before as well, we were incredibly compact. We were okay with surrendering the wide areas of the field. Right. And just packing the box just so that they couldn't get a sniff. And you saw, I mean, I would say the closest that they came was that volley, which was from miles out. I mean, it was a great strike. And, you're, you know, you always run the risk that, that you know, the opposition is going to hit you like that. But. If that's the World best that they safe. have, then then I was then I was quite happy with that. And we had we all we had consistently about nine guys in the nine guys in the box. They were definitely not social distancing. Let's just say. <laughs> definitely not there, my friend. Okay, Max, you're at halftime. What's going through your mind? I knew Liverpool would have an onslaught second half. I knew Klopp would just be furious at them. <laughs> I also was thinking, well, we normally start second halves quite well. So maybe that might have counteracted. It really didn't. It was all Liverpool. Oh, no, um, no, that, but, yeah, that it didn't was, work out. It was impressive. Back to the Lamina point. Let's just yeah. give credit where it's due. Another summer signing. And it was something that I think people raised eyebrows at. It was during that period when everyone was screaming, we need a center back. Where are the center backs? We saw another central midfielder. Yeah. And I think fans, including myself, was thinking, well, we have Anima, we have Kearney, we have Reed. I think... Don't think we'd lost the cheek at that point, but we had a number of central midfield options. And I was thinking, yep. why sign another center mid? We have Aguisa. I was like, why do we need another one? It's a bit surplus. Absolutely spot on. The fact that we can have three, <laughs> I think, very good Premier League quality center mids and Reed, uh, Aguisa, and Lamina has been and such an asset and mix and match. Again, I think if we stay up this season, still an if, Tony Khan will be lauded in many respects because although there were shortcomings, which we know, Yep. You, you cannot look past the brilliance of, of 
the summer transfer window in every single other position except for striker. Which, okay, but, and and, but, and that's yeah. fair, Max. And, and you can also make the argument team. about them being yeah. loans too yeah. because I know fans have pointed out that, again, a lot has to happen to keep this team together. And part of that is many of these players are, are on loans. So, again, there's a lot, lot to be done. But I hear what you're saying just as talent-wise – Besides striker, yes, I totally agree with you, Max. I I completely agree with you. And you know, as we transition the second half, and I'm glad that Alec really took us to the second half. And you and you said, Max, that you were thinking, well, maybe we can push on from that. Maybe maybe we can come out strong. That I don't think really happened, guys. I, in fact, I know it didn't happen. But I want to focus on two moments in the second half as we analyze this, because what's interesting is that it sounds like to me, Alec. When I was just watching the interview from Parker, I don't think Parker intended for us to park the bus. It just worked out that way. That's kind of the impression I got from his interview, that that, that wasn't his intention. But it certainly, that's how it played out. But I, I want to focus on two really huge moments. And let's talk about the save from Ariel on, on Jota. And I talked about this on full-time. You know, again, this is a world-class save, Alec. and. It started off as just, you know, like I said, just just uh, a cross, and it ends up to him, and he volleys it, and again, with his arm, first-class save. And it was an astounding save. I mean, just the arm strength that he just has and the Just think about that. To, keep to be that, able to keep that, to keep out. that out. And just the, the sheer reaction time as well. Ariola, I've given him man of the match many times this season. I'm not going to give it to him today, spoiler okay. alert. Mm-hmm. However, you do have to give the guy credit when credits due. Yeah. Every every match he's come he's come out with a with a with a save that could have saved us a saved us a point or three points even in this case. And that, I, I mean, I I think back to when we had as good of a keeper, and I can't really think think. Maybe Edwin van der Sar was the last keeper I think that we had who was as good as him. Maybe Schwarzer gave him a would give him a run for his money. But Ariola has just been outstanding this season, and just given the amount of hard chances that he's come up against, he has often come out on top. So huge Absolutely. credit to him. That was a huge moment in the match because you, if you're watching, if you're watching the game live, the the, the crowd the crowd cheers started to go on because even the computer systems were sure that the ball was going in. <laughs> that's funny. That's, that's that's how you knew it was a damn good save. So yeah. that was a huge moment, huge moment for us. And I really felt that at that point we started to believe that the tide was with us this time, and that we won. You know, the 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 gods that rule football that they weren't going to go against us this time. And I and a huge credit to the team for digging in deep. Yep. And taking that save in their stride and using it to just prop up the defense, and you know, and, and at the same time, we've got to give a huge shout out to to Adarabayu and Anderson. Oh, they're the, fantastic! The imperious bulwark of the Fulham back back line, incredible, incredibly, uh, incredibly diligent in high levels of focus in in in, in those final stages of the, of the match. Right, and I, I totally agree with that. And Max, before we talk about the uh again the uh Anderson's effort at the very end because I definitely definitely want to focus on that. I, I want to get your thoughts on on the substitutions. What did you make of the subs? Yeah, I think you know, Loftus-Cheek coming on, uh Mitrich coming on, and I, I guess Robinson coming on as well. Uh I, th- I thought they went well in the sense that Loftus-Cheek was someone who could be up front and try to take the long run with it. It didn't necessarily come off in that 
position. He, didn't, he was just more defending. I thought, of course, the Robinson was a switch to the back five, which we one of Parker's signature moves. So it's a nice little shout out to the championship season. <laughs> but it worked. I get it. I, I loved it. I thought it was smart in that oh. sense of the match. We were just getting overrun. We needed to get more central defenders there. And that's the I've quality of that Aina. Movie yeah, I've seen that movie before. But that's the quality of Aina in that he's very yeah. versatile, can play wing back and also play in that back three of center backs. And Mitrovic, he had some moments. He's someone who I know can do a great job defending set pieces. So it made sense he was in there. He yeah. also carried the ball out and you know had a good he shot did. on target when perhaps he should have taken it to the corner flag, but I wasn't going to get too angry at him. I think it was all good. I think that shows us that this is a true squad. You know, Parker has 14 to 15 players. Exactly. And he can look to the bench and, Everyone on that bench is going to be willing to sacrifice himself for the effort. You know, Mitrovic easily could have been sulking. He's lost his starting spot. He's lost his, you know, talismanic role at this club, which, you know, we owe a lot to him. Honestly, he might have felt, I think he's every right to feel kind of slighted recently, yep. but he came on to fight for the team and honestly be a defender first and did a great job. Robin's another player who has been in and out of the starting lineup. Yep. Young player could affect his confidence, came on, did a job, lost his cheek. Another lone player who been mercilessly criticized by the fan base, sometimes justifiably, show. sometimes not. He put in a shift. That, to me, is all down to Parker yeah. melding this team together. It is a team. That's what I said at the end of the game. This is a band of brothers, and they fight for everyone. And listen, that's the way to look at it, and that's one of the reasons why I'm really enjoying this team, and that's why I truly hope we stay in the Premier League, just because they're a likable team because they play together as a team. And I, I really, again... When you look at standouts, it's, I, I don't look at it that way. I look at a team playing as one. You know, it's an engine all firing together. And that to me is what I really enjoy about this team. But, you know, and what's interesting about it is that, again, let's talk about, and I talked about this on, on full time. And I really want to focus talking about Anderson a little bit here because I don't think that we can really talk about this match without focusing on him, Alec. And, I know I can already tell you, we will talk about man of the match, but I can tell you so many fans already have him as their man of the match. But this clearance speaks volumes of what's going on at Fulham. Okay, it really does. If you really break it down, not only does he clear the ball, watch the reaction. It shows leadership, and it also shows camaraderie amongst the players. Look at that. Go back and watch that, and you'll say, okay, we have something here because they've all bought in to Scott Parker's system to what he wants and we also have a leader back there and that's Joachim Anderson there's a lot to take out of that clearance believe it or not I felt like I was watching Spartacus when I saw that clearance it was <laughs> just the real the real passion but just the intensity even with the clearance I mean he made it go miles you could just see that the ball was fizzling in at real speed and he was not gonna he was not gonna give it any less than it was coming in at he just, just everything about the clearance. I know we're just talking about the clearance here. Right. You know, in the same way that we glorify the tackle of Bobby Moore in, in 66, you know, just the, just the, just sometimes defensive moments really require you to stop and appreciate that because, you know, you don't score many goals from defense, but you do have those, those moments where, where you just feel that the match has been won in, in, a, in a certain moment or a real pivotal turning point is hit. And just after that, I just think, you know, when you have a big clearance like that, it can really just 
insert a mindset into the players that totally agree. Just, just total defiance. We are on Anfield soil and we're not going to be scared to hoof to, to you know to block the ball coming into our box. Really, really fearless clearance and a fearless performance from him in general. Yeah, it, listen, that's why I wanted to really highlight this, Max, because I. it's funny. I talked about this a lot on full-time, but you know what? I'm going to talk about it again because it just really shows. It signifies to me not just about Joachim Anderson, but about Fulham Football Club and what's going on there. Leadership, playing together, as you've already said, as a team. There's a lot to take out of, you know, I know we're glorifying a clearance here, but I think there's a lot behind that. Yeah, 100%. To be a lone player, he's only been at the club a matter of months. He's transformed into a cult hero. I think no matter what happens this summer, he will be remembered as one of the best defenders we've seen ever play, but also one of the best leaders, as you guys mentioned. And it's again, it's a very difficult, difficult skill to do, facing your own goal with, as Alec mentioned, the pace that that cross is fizzed in with. Oh, it was just a great piece of defending. But as you guys mentioned, he's more than just a center back. He is the heart of this team. Again, what a piece of business. This player, again, should not be in a relegation battle. No. Anderson deserves, and he was in the Champions League semifinal last season with Leon. Yeah, and that's, I don't yeah know it's crazy. Much, he does not deserve to be in the muck in 18th in the, in the Premier League. Hopefully he stays with us if we stay up. Yep. I'm not counting on it. He deserves to be at the top of European football because he's excellent. Again, Liverpool wish they had him. I'd say a number of Premier League clubs, he would slot right in to that center defensive partnership yep. because he's not just, just that kind of player. And I don't want to you know, downplay it. They were used to playing that back five with three center backs. And then the shift to just a center back pairing of two, and that's it's been tactical seamless. intelligence. And same with yeah. Tosin again. Let's give Tosin credit. He yeah, had a number he deserves, of clearances. Yeah. And that was after a shaky match uh, against Spurs. You know, he had the error. So yeah, a lot to like about this Fulham team. Absolutely. And uh, I will share this because this goes to what you're talking about, Max. And, and listen, I agree with my friend here. Every top club in the country will be watching and on alert. He will get a big move in the summer. Now, here's the thing. I think he's going to get the option for a big move. But the question is, does he want to come back to Fulham? And will Fulham have the money to bring him back, to 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 get him from Leon? I don't know about that because, like you said, money does talk. But based on what I've heard from him, I wouldn't be shocked if he came back, but I think it would have to be a huge offer. I'm talking about if we stayed in this division, it would have to be the right situation. I understand why everyone's fearful because it makes sense. Why wouldn't he go to a, a, a bigger club? But I think he actually likes being at full. I, I could be wrong, but it just it just seems that way based on everything that I've heard from him. I mean, he was even asked if he would like to come back, and you know, I'm paraphrasing, but I, I, it didn't sound like he didn't want to, but we'll see. Because a lot has to happen. And like you guys have mentioned, other clubs are going to come in for him, and that makes perfect sense. Okay, guys, let's go to Man of the Match. If you're watching live, we have a good amount of people watching live. Feel free to share your thoughts on Man of the Match. I think I have an idea who Alk is going to go with, so I'm going to go to Max first. Max, who's your Man of the Match? I'm just going to say Lamina because he was the difference today, uh, yesterday in terms of the goal. What a great hit. We've seen so many balloon shots from Fulham this year, so many scuffed shots, so many ones that don't even reach the keeper that go out for a throw-in. This was hit so purely, an absolute daisy cutter, keep it low and hard. That's what Parker should be saying every single day in training, low and hard. It's the hardest <laughs> for a keeper to save at that height. Um, and he was also excellent in the middle of the park. So for me, it's Super Mario. Super Mario, okay. Alec, is it going to be Super Mario or Joachim or someone else? 
I have to go with Anderson, I think. And it's not just, you know, the big the, the big offensive moments, but it was just the whole this whole attitude and intensity. It was just in stark contrast with the Liverpool with the with the Liverpool side, quite honestly. Yep. You look at Liverpool's star player who's supposed to be Mo Salah, and you look at the intensity of both of us of our man of, of my man of the match and Mo Salah, I mean it it, it basically speaks to how the game went today, uh, how the game went yesterday. So I just, I think in my mind, Anderson, just in defensive skill, composure and leadership, he has to be my man of the match for today. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to share some comments and uh, let's start with my friend, Chris. Chris is actually a Liverpool supporter. So let's just mention that he's a Patriots fan. And some reason he loves watching all of my shows. So thank you, Chris. He said, I said it yesterday. I'm sticking with Anderson as man of the match. He has something else to say about going to Liverpool. No, Chris, we don't want to see that happen. Colin Frazier says Anderson all day long. Um, you know, and again, I, I certainly understand that. And uh, anyone else have any comments, please feel free to share them. But uh, guys, I'm I'm actually, you know, Max, I, I, I do like going with you, but I'm going to have to go with Mr. Coben and not Mr. Cohen. I'm going to say Joachim Anderson because I – uh, I, I love this guy because uh, I think he represents everything I like in uh, in an athlete, someone that plays with confidence, someone that is a true leader, and someone that actually just, again, the confident level of this guy is off the charts and uh, extremely skillful, can do it all. There's no fear in this guy, no fear at all. He plays with full confidence. I'm going with Alec, and I'm going to say Joachim Anderson is my man of the match. Okay. Guys, we were talking about this before the show, and Chris, who watches all the shows, knows I do this on Patriots 4th and 2 as well. So, guys, I am going to do a little bonus Russ's rant. <laughs> and, uh, yes. I, you know, and and this is actually Max's suggestion to do it at the end of the show, so I'm going to give Max credit for this. But I am going to do a little Russ's rant because um, it's really has to do with the reaction that has happened in the media since – the victory, okay? So, listen, this is print. This is, you know, broadcast media, all kinds of media. The focus has been on Liverpool. And uh, I understand the demise of Liverpool. And this is where, you know, it's funny, Alec, because I think we're going to disagree on this. Because, you know, we talked about this before the show. You said, well, Liverpool played poor. My answer to that is, well, Fulham made them look poor, and I truly believe that. Fulham, the reason why Liverpool played poor, we could say that they, again, were were just off form. No, 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 no. Fulham's tactics, the way they executed Parker's plan, they made Liverpool look like that. So that's why, again, I think the story should be Fulham. I know it's not the story. The story is Liverpool's demise. I get it, okay? I get it. But I truly believe Fulham have shown that they are going to do everything that they can to stay in this league and that they can play with everyone. And we'll see if I'm wrong because I think there's only one team that is that they really can't play with. That's Man City, but maybe I'll be proven wrong. But beyond them, they, again, can play with everyone. And I truly believe, I was expecting more coverage of Fulham. I'm not saying that, that there wasn't, but I would say it's 90-10. I would say it's 90% Liverpool's demise. So, guys, that's my Russ's rant. Over to you, Max. Thoughts on my rant? 
I sympathize with it. Uh, I feel it. But at the end of the day, Chris said this in the comments, Liverpool is one of the biggest clubs in the world. And the way the Sky Sports BT, the way that whole media sphere is set up is around the big clubs, which have more fans. You know, it's it's sad. That's the reality. But even beyond that, I think, I I do think the bigger story might just be Liverpool from a neutral perspective because, what, they've lost six in a row to Anfield. That is unbelievable considering, I think they want, what, like went a year and a half without losing any matches at that ground. And in the space of, what, three months in 2021, they've lost six matches. The utter collapse of that football club. I mean, they went, what, in 2017-18, final of the Champions League. 2018-19, win the Champions League. And then last season, win the Premier League with one of the best seasons in recent memory. One of the most dominant clubs of the past four seasons. To then go lose six in a row at their home fortress. Okay. And not to massive clubs, to Fulham, to Brighton, to Burnley. I mean, West Brom got a point there. Big Sam got a point there. Yep. I do think that is taking a step back. The bigger stories, how you know, awful. Liverpool, okay. I'm sorry, Chris, okay. but it's true. Fulham are good. We were good, yep. but we're not the big story in this moment, in my opinion. Okay, but I'll counter you with this: their demise began with Fulham at Craven Cottage. Okay, uh, that's, that's where it all began. That's quite a take. Okay, <laughs> I want you to think about what was being said and where Liverpool were back then. That match, I think, turned everything on its head. So, again, Fulham could be the beginning of, of this demise for their season back at Craven Cottage. Just think about that. Think about where, where Liverpool were then. So, I just don't think Fulham are getting enough credit for this victory, for what it means. I know what you're saying, Max. And I'm also going to throw this to you, Alec. I've got a little extra special rant. Okay, you, you ready for this? Just, just right. a little extra special. Scott Parker outcoached Jurgen Klopp. I would just, uh, in my opinion, I just think in general, just in this media, I just think the the coverage in general, it typifies the media. It typifies the way the media works. We focus much more on the choke rather than the on the success. Yes. And I just think it's much and more I'm a Patriots fan and I to, should be to revel in to revel in Liverpool's failure. They're the you know, in my mind, they're one of the deplorables of this of, of this league. And it's much funner to revel in their in, in their in their misery than to revel in our just about surviving. I just think it's much more interesting of a story. Yep. However, I will agree with you that Jürgen Klopp was outdone. Just uh, this one match. He's a just fantastic coach. Just this one match. I don't think, yeah, I don't think Scott Parker is ready to take a team right to the top. No, to I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying the way that he approached this. Again, did Jurgen Klopp expect this from Fulham? We're all talking about we don't know, but it didn't seem like it. And I'm just saying that he showed him something he wasn't ready for. That's what I believe. That's kind of where I'm going on this. I just think Jurgen Klopp. I think we all ass- we've all assumed that he's a super tough, super tough character, sort sort of like a Fergie character. I always imagine right. him giving his play. I when we talked about the halftime reaction, I, I sort of imagine him giving the hairdryer treatment to Salah and and Cut. Though it just seems that he's completely lost control of his of his boys. Uh, Parker. You can tell that the team believes in him and in his system, even if they might not always be doing what he's saying, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. yeah. But 
At the, but at the same time, I think the, the players trust in the players trust in Parker, and the, and the Liverpool players don't seem to trust in Klopp. I don't know why. I've heard some rumours swirling around around jealousy around some players' salary, some players not pulling their weight, and you know those are those are the first world problems in the foot in in the football league. And yeah. Jurgen Klopp has not come, found a way to seemingly not found a way to combat them. Yeah. It's been, listen, you know, and again, I, Chris, who is my friend here, and listen, I have all the respect in the world for Jurgen Klopp. I'm just talking about this specific match. I'm not saying that he's a better coach than Jurgen Klopp. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying for one, one day, you know, Fulham got the best of Liverpool, and I think Parker's tactics had a lot to do with that. And that's the reason why I'm saying that. Just for one day, I think that Fulham got the best and maybe Scott Parker got the best of Jurgen just for one day. And I think, you know, and I don't think it's wrong for me to say that, but okay, you might disagree with my take on there. Maybe I'm coming out very strong, but I just really was impressed by Parker. And I, guys, I have said this on I don't know how many shows. He was not my choice to be Fulham manager. And I got to tell you, he has learned his craft. He is improving. He's playing against the opponent which I think is a huge sign for us that he's learning. And, you know, sometimes you've got to give a manager time. So I'm actually been very impressed with Scott Parker. And one final thing on this, and, uh, you know, and my friend Chris will, will test this. There's all this talk about Parker's jacket. Yes, he should wear it all the time. Now. Okay, I'm going to say that. He should wear it all the time. Just like, sorry, Max, Bill Belichick with his hoodie. Okay, you should wear it all the time. Oh, it's a disgrace. <laughs> compare Scott Parker, a beautiful human being, to Bill Belichick, one of the most just oh. disgruntled. I mean, he looks like a schlup the entire oh, – I cannot believe you made that comparison. The cutoff hoodie to a wonderful – like a no. Okay, okay. I, I guess we ended on a very weird note. Okay. <laughs> Alec, it's been a long time since – well, not that long. It's, it's been a while. You, you, were, you were away for a while. Actually, you were away, but it's good to have you back. And uh, it's going to give me a chance to um, to share something with you guys because, again, I'm very happy to get Coben and Cohen on the same show. So, of course, it's the CNC Fulham Factory. Yes. <laughs> so, so it's good to have you guys on. And I know that might be corny, but, Alec, it's great having you back on. Hopefully you can come back on soon. I, I would love to. Thank you so much for having me on. It's great to be back on. Okay. And. And uh, Max, always good to have you on. And listen, uh, hopefully we can get Rachel back on. Uh, it was great to have the Wonder Twins on. It was to have uh, Max and Rachel on. That was a great show. And uh, hopefully soon we're going to have a bunch of Cobins on the show. So that that'll be good as well. That should be very interesting because if I know anything about uh, Alex's father and his uncle, I think that could be a very interesting show. So I'm looking forward to all that. All right, guys, before we go, final thoughts. First to you, Alec. Final thoughts. Keep up the defense. Be more clinical in attack. Same message every week. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Cohen? Credit to Russ. You know, we were on the show with Mike. And we all laughed at him for picking the win against Liverpool. He's right. He's right. Okay. Russ is right. Listen to Russ more. Listen to okay, Russ more. okay. We're going to get what? 45 points? I'm not joking here. I'm not joking. I, I think you might be right. We might be very well clear of this. Okay, okay, Max, I actually have to clarify something for you, and I forgot to do this earlier. And maybe this is a little fraudulent on my part, because when we did the show with Mike, I actually picked 
a draw against Liverpool. And oh. then I went on the show with with uh, Giannis and picked a victory. So, so again, I, I completely contradicted. Now you're fact checking. Good. This is good. This is what the media no, needs. No, listen, <laughs> listen. I'm being on. I'm being honest here. I actually, I actually predicted when we did that show a draw, and then for whatever reason, I predicted a victory with Giannis. So again. I shouldn't have done that. I didn't even realize I did that until we started doing the show. When, <laughs> you, brought, that, when you brought that yeah. up. The larger point stands, though, is that you are an eternal optimist. I am. And I think you do see the best in this team. And I think I everyone do. would probably do better to listen to that sometimes oh. than perhaps the more, you know, down, downward-looking theory. You wow. know? So I credit to you. Wow. <laughs> well, I already have a huge head, my Peyton Manning <laughs> head. Now it's just going to get even bigger. Wow. Thanks, Max. I really appreciate that. And listen, before we go – and I'm not going to say this because this is, again, until this is confirmed, I'm working on something special, a special interview. So I don't want to say who it is. And if I don't get this special interview, I will get another one. But I am working on something that I think would be pretty special. And uh, hopefully uh, it will be happening soon. If not, we will have some more special interviews. I'll leave you that. That's going to be my final thoughts. It is time to wrap this up. For Alec Coben and Max Cohen, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.